In the name of the glorious Trinity, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, forever. Amen. Glory be to the everlasting mercies which sent you to us, O Christ, the light of the world and the life of all. Give us wisdom by your law and enlighten our impulses by your knowledge. Sanctify our souls by your truth and grant that we may be obedient to your words and may fulfill your commandments at every hour. O you who enlightens the rational with the knowledge of your greatness, do enlighten, O my Lord, our thoughts, that we may meditate upon your holy and divine scriptures at all times, O Lord of all, Father and Son and Holy Spirit forever. Amen. One of the most common remarks or comments on a report card, no, this is going back my school days, report card or a, or a personal character reference or a work reference was the person, uh, Gino, that's what I used to be named when I was at school. Gino works quite well with minimal supervision. I rarely had that, but, you know, sometimes I'd be lucky enough to get that comment. Works quite well with minimal supervision. Now that's a favorable comment to have on our curriculum vitae or resume. Uh, that's a great characteristic, a great attribute to possess with our lives when we're working in this world or we're studying, what have you. But at the same time, it's an amazing characteristic or attribute or gift to possess within our lives with Christ, through Christ, in Christ, by Christ, as Christians. Minimal supervision and dependence on others in our Christian life. Why? Many a times um, I'm approached as uh, an unworthy spiritual counselor or priest uh, and I'm asked, uh, uh, you know, Father, I have this issue. What do I need? What do I do? How do I do this? As sometimes within a inward frustration, <laughs> not, uh, you know, portrayed, or depicted, I say, well, you know, why trying, have you tried reading the Holy Scriptures? You know, this is when we, when we live our Christian life with minimal supervision, not depending on others always. And one of the most important supervisors we should always refer to and depend on excessively, limitlessly, is the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So before we refer to someone or depend on anyone, go to the Holy Scriptures. Let's put this in practice. One of the most difficult things is forgiving, right? Reconciliation. And I'm always faced with the comment or the question, it's very hard, Ravi, how do I do this? What do I do? Well, let's put it in, in, you know, in practice using, using the scriptures uh, as an example. In place of referring to people off the bat with our problems, for example, when someone has done, done you wrong or done us wrong. That's the reason why I always say, well, have you read the scriptures? Because Jesus, praise and glory be to his name, has given us a three simple step 
solution. He's already established that to when we have been sinned against, we have been done wrong, and as Christians, what our response should be. Listen to this very carefully. Matthew 18, 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. But if your brother wrongs you, so someone has ticked you off, someone has broken your heart, someone has disappointed you, someone has, um, you know, um, broken the trust, what do you do? Here is the three-step solution. Before you pick up the phone and talk to someone for advice, pick up the Holy Scriptures and read. Matthew 18, 15. But if your brother wrongs you, here's the first step. Reproof, rebuke. Rebuke meaning manches in the Assyrian language, but in love. Admonish. So this is Jesus giving us the authority and the steps. Rebuke or reprove or admonish with love him or, <coughs> or her between you and him alone. Don't broadcast it. Don't go on your social media and post subliminal messages where everyone knows that this person is having an issue with another person. You don't need to do that. As Christians, we're not called to that. We are called to holiness. So rebuke, Jesus says, reprove, admonish in love, him or her between you and her, or you and him alone. If he hears you, praise and glory be to his name. You've gained your brother. Let all bygones be bygones. Let's just dust it off. Let's just continue our life in love in Christ's life. Now, the question is, but why must I? Well, you know, when you ask me that question, you're asking Jesus that question because Jesus said, if your brother wrongs you, you need to go and approach to rebuke. Why must I? Why must I make the first move? Well, you know why? Because God made the first move to reconcile with you and me and everyone. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you want to demonstrate your love for Jesus Christ? Yeah? Well, if your brother wrongs you, you approach to rebuke, to admonish, to correct Again, using the Holy Scriptures because that is why they've been inspired in love. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 16, he continues. And if he does not hear you, wants to have nothing to do with you, and you aggravate the situation even more and says, don't ever approach me, how dare you? Well, Christ has given us the next step. Take one or two Christians, that is. And when I say Christians, not tattoos, tattooed Christians, <laughs> not crossed Christians, those who wear crosses. No, faithful, Christ-loving Christians, Christ-obeying Christians. Take one or two with you so that from the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Why? Because something severe is coming now if that person does still not hear you. Jesus did this himself in John chapter 8, verse 18. I am he who testifies about myself, right? When they questioned his testimony. But he goes on to say, 
and the Father who sent me testifies about me as well. So take witnesses. Not so you can, uh, you know, have the upper hand, so that you can be ready to, to uh, you know, uh, rebuke harshly or totally write off that person. No. Just so the person that has wronged you, wronged you, when he sees that you are going to so much, so extreme, that may uh, humble the heart, you know, break the pride, and you reconcile. Praise and glory be to his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus then continues because he knew the stubbornness of man in verse 17. But if he will not hear them, because when, when you rebuke and admonish because the person's done you wrong, and then they also hear the story and they admonish and rebuke the person that has done you wrong, and if he doesn't hear them, here is the third step, the final step. Tell the church or the assembly. Tell the church. And if he does not hear the church, here is the, the, the reason why Jesus, um, you know, uh, uh, demands or, uh, or asks that we take two or three witnesses. If he does not hear the church, let him be to you as a tax gatherer or tax collector, IRS officer, and a heathen. You know, I always ask myself, why did he just use tax collectors and heathens? St. Jerome writes, the person who under the name of faith does a infidel's work is shown to be more cursed than those who openly are heathens. It's like Jesus saying in the book of Revelations, you are neither warm, hot, nor cold. You're warm, lukewarm. I will spew you. So the person who under the name of faith does an infidel's work is shown to be more cursed than those who are openly heathens, pagans. And publicans or tax collectors, figuratively speaking, are those who pursue the profits of the secular world and exact taxes by business, fraud, theft, crimes, and false oaths. So you see the severity of the person who's done you wrong, <coughs> excuse me, and you're trying to reconcile, but he doesn't listen to you. He doesn't listen to the two witnesses. And he doesn't, most importantly, the final authority of the church doesn't adhere or take heed of the church, then Jesus is likening this person to a tax collector and a heathen. And Jesus says, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless they return. And now, let me read to you what the blessed Theophylact who uh, comments, um, his comments are more, um, uh, you know, directed towards the teachings of St. John Chrysostom. Listen to what he says in regards to these verses. Let me find it. So he says, Such brethren are these he likens to the publicans. For the publican was notorious for evil doing and was an outcast. It is a consolation to the one who has been wronged that the wrongdoer is considered as a publican or a Gentile. Look at the 
the place of honor Jesus is giving those who have been done wrong, yet they want to reconcile. It is a consolation to the one who has been wronged that the wrongdoer is considered as a publican or a Gentile, that is, a sinner or an unbeliever. Is this the only punishment of the wrongdoer? Indeed not. But hear what follows. Jesus goes on to verse, uh, you know, verse uh, 18. Truly I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The, Theophilic, the blessed Theophilic continues to comment, if you, he says, you have been done wrong, deemed the wrongdoer a publican and a Gentile, he shall be so in heaven as well. Did you, did you hear that? Here we go again. Stop your vacuuming, pull to one side, stop your cleaning and washing of your dishes and changing the baby, what have you. Listen to what the church fathers are commenting when Jesus says that, after you have exhausted these three steps wholeheartedly, obviously through prayer, through fasting, in love, with a pure and, and holy um, conscience, and yet the person who's done you wrong does not want to take heed, the blessed Theophilact, the church father's right. If you, he says, who have been wronged, so have you been wronged? Oh yeah, Rabbi. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what a heartache this person has has uh, you know uh, caused me. Okay, great. You've been wronged. Okay, now now you know what to do as a Christian, right? You need to go and admonish that person. If not, you need to take two, and then you need to come to the church. So once you have done that, look at the credit. Look at where Jesus puts you. If you, he says, who have been wronged, I read that three times. I know. Deem the wrongdoer a publican. And the Gentile, that means you. If you declare that person a publican and a Gentile because you tried, he shall be so in heaven as well. St. John Chrysostom comments that this is not the authority only of the church, but you who genuinely, wholeheartedly, in obedience to Jesus Christ, have attempted to reconcile according to the three steps, then if you declare that person to be a heathen and a, and a, a tax collector, then in heaven he shall be. And if you lose, that is, forgive him, he shall be forgiven in heaven as well. For it is not only what the priest loose, that is loose, here it is, but also whatever we have been, whenever we have been wronged, bind or loose, those things too shall be either bound or loosed you know why beloved because this is when you genuinely love the lord and when you do love the love the lord you portray it you justify it you prove it by fulfilling his commandments and this is his commandment now this is not a closure to the matter no no by all means it's not because in verses 21 and 22 of matthew 18 simon asks how many times do I forgive my brother who has wronged me that returns to repent? There's the key word. Returns and repents. Do I forgive him seven times? And I've mentioned this. You know, Simon was trying to be a hero because the norm was three times. But Jesus turns again, turns around and again rebukes him. No, Simon, don't be a hero. Not seven times, 70 times, seven, seven. Not meaning that you need to take out a calculator and keep tabs. No, the blessed Theophilact 
comments. This is what Peter is asking. How many times if one sins and then comes and begs forgiveness repentantly? There's the key word. Should I forgive him? He added, sin against me. For if he sins against God, see Simon says sins against me, not against God. For if for if he sins against God, I a layman, this is what Simon was trying to, this is the point he was trying to make, cannot forgive him, but only the priest who has the authority from God. But if he sins against me, then I will forgive him and he will be forgiven, according to Matthew 18, 15 to 18. Though I am a layman and not a priest, he said, until 70 times 7, not to limit forgiveness with a number, for it would be absurd for someone to sit and count the occasions until they number 490. That is 70 times 7. But the Lord, what he means here is an infinite number. As if he were saying, however, many times he sings, however many times he sins and repents, forgive him. He also tells us that we should be compassionate by means of another parable that he says. So here's the formula. Someone's done you wrong. Go and rebuke and admonish manches in love. If you've sorted the case out, praise God. Give glory to God and reconcile with a holy kiss, as St. Paul commands. If not, take two as witnesses. Again, if not, take the church. And if the church, the person does have no respect for the church, let him be a tax collector and a pagan, a heathen. However, when he returns... That person wants to return and reconcile because somehow you've touched his heart or her heart. You must be ready to forgive. Why? Because this is what we receive every day, beloved. When you pray the Lord's Prayer and you ask the Lord to forgive your trespasses and dare to say, as I have forgiven my debtors or those who have trespassed against me and I haven't, well, that's trying to fool God, but we can't fool God at all times. What we receive freely, forgiveness, we must give freely. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive you, your offenses. How simple is that? So before depending on others, beloved, before... Um, you know, wanting to always be supervised in our faith, in our walk with Christ. Let's open the scriptures. Before we do, pray to the Lord, open the scriptures and see what procedure, what equation, what uh, directions the Holy Scriptures that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit are leading us. Praise and glory be to the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Please don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share with your friends and family. For any future topic suggestions or to give us detailed feedback, please visit our link in the show notes, linktr.ee forward slash double edged sword. Until next time, God bless you all.